Our gracious and heavenly Father, we now ask you to give us eyes that would see, ears that would hear, hearts that would treasure your words like Mary in our own hearts and apply them in the Christian life. Make all the hearers this morning in this place like your servant Samuel, to say to you, Master, Lord, your servants are listening. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In a court of law, it is common for the accused person to call a witness or witnesses to the stand. Yes? What is a witness? Think about that. What is a witness? A witness is someone who provides testimonial evidence of what he claimed to know about the accused or an incident con connected to the accused standing before the judge. In other words, a witness stands before the judge or the court to vindicate, uh, to free the accused from a crime, an offense he is charged for by testifying about his innocency from any unlawful act. You see, for that reason, witnesses in the courtroom are very important and dependable. Those people who are accused standing before the judge, they often rely on the witnesses of their witnesses. Well, in our text this morning, we see our Lord Jesus Christ as if he is in the courtroom being charged by the Jewish leaders, charged for blasphemy, charges charged for making himself equal with God. You remember that charge. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath by healing the sick, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That was the charge that they brought against the Son of God for making himself equal with God. Now, in our text this morning, it, it looks like Jesus is in the courtroom being charged for blasphemy. And we see Jesus calling his, his own personal witnesses to the stand. You see what Jesus is doing here. In our previous section that we consider together, you remember how our Lord Jesus Christ defended his claim to be God. He claimed to be equal with God. Equal with God in his works, 
equal with God in his will and equal with God in his authority to judge the righteous and the wicked. All these things only God can do. But now the problem is, you see, from what we see in our text this morning, verse uh, uh, 31, if I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not true. Jesus here is being sarcastic by making this statement. But you need to understand what Jesus is doing, doing here, what Jesus is actually saying. What he's saying is, if a random person comes to you today on the street and says to you, hey, I'm God. I'm equal with God. I'm Jesus. I'm the Messiah. I am equal with God. If a random person stops you on, a, on, the, on, a, on the street and, and makes that claim, of course you would think that person is insane. You would say to that person, what evidence do you have? What proof do you have for me to believe that you are actually God? So Jesus is telling this uh, Sanhedrin, you know, Jewish council in Israel, he's telling them, I see that you don't believe me. I see that you need more evidences. So maybe, you know, because I came so that you would believe, I came to save sinners, to call people to repentance and faith. That's why I, why I came. So I'm, I'm going to give you that opportunity. If you want witnesses, I'm going to call my personal witnesses to stand. That's what is going on in our text this morning. And Jesus calls four witnesses to the stand. He calls his father. He calls John the Baptist. He calls his own works. And then he calls the scriptures to become his witnesses or as his witnesses. So we start with the Father as, as a witness. Listen to Jesus in verse 2. There is another who, has, who bears witness about me. And I know that the testimony that he bears about me is true. And then verse 37 and 38. And the Father who sent me has himself borne born witness about me. His voice you have never heard. His form you have never seen, and you do not have His word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom He has sent. See what Jesus is saying here. My first witness about my equality with God is my own Father. My own Father testifies that I am God. You see, Jesus said, there is another one speaking about his father. We saw in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, beloved, the vision that Daniel saw. Let me refresh your mind with what we read in Daniel 7. Daniel saw a vision of the Son of Man. 
he saw the vision of Christ. And he saw Jesus as the Son of Man standing before his Father. And then he, he saw his Father giving to his Son all dominion, all power, all glory, all authority, so that all nations would come before him, bow down and worship him. In Daniel 7, 13 and 14, the Father was saying, my son, the son of man, Jesus, is equal with me. I have dominion, power, glory, and authority over all the earth. So do my son. In Daniel 7, you see, the father was testifying to his son's divinity. The father was saying, this is God. Then we see the external witness of the Father. You remember Jesus came to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist in Matthew 3, 16 and 7. This is what we read. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw, John saw, the Spirit of God descending like a dove. The Holy Spirit was testifying. Not only the Father from heaven, but also the Holy Spirit came down, descended from heaven like a dove to rest upon Jesus. Coming to rest on Him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is the Father speaking, and he said this, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son. What you heard in Daniel 7, this is the son of man. This is the son of God. So you see, Jesus is telling them, my first witness is my own father. And now, then, it is amazing that Jesus is telling them, my father is my witness. This is how he, he witnessed about me being equal with God. But also my father, in his word, provides other witnesses. And the first witness that the father presents to you, Jewish people, all people in this world, is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the works of Christ, and the scriptures are other witnesses that the Father provides in the scripture. So let's think about John the Baptist. Now keep in this mind and listen to what Jesus told them. You sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth. Not that the testimony that I received is from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was a burning and a shining lamb, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. John the Baptist. Keep this in mind, beloved. John the Baptist was a very big deal in redemptive history. Do you know that? Think, of, think about this with me. 
Not all the Gospels include the birth of Jesus Christ. You know that. The account of the virgin birth. Not all the Gospels includes the account of the Mount of Transfiguration. Not all the Gospels include that includes the Sermon on the Mount. But do you know all the Gospels highlights for us the ministry of John the Baptist? Do you know why? Because John the Baptist was so crucial in playing the role of bringing all the prophecies of the Old Testament about Jesus, the Son of God, to their final goal and fulfillment. Think about some of the prophets in the Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Malachi. All these prophets in the Old Testament, they kept saying, they kept telling us, telling people in the Old Testament and people in the New Testament, the King is coming, the Messiah is coming, the anointed Son of God is coming, He's coming, He's coming. John the Baptist said, He's here. Behold, the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. He is here. That was John the Baptist. It was fulfilled in the proclamation of John the Baptist. Others predicted. Others, it was only prophecy. But John the Baptist, his fingers were pointing at Jesus, saying, Behold, he's here. Who? The Son of God. God in the flesh. Jesus. Jesus said, with the ministry of John the Baptist, you all were excited for a while. You remember in, uh, in John chapter 3, the whole Judea, many people came to the Jordan River to, to listen to John. They, they so much admired him. They so much loved him. They so much accepted him. As a result, many, many people came to the Jordan River. Jesus said he was illuminating the light for Israel about Jesus. And people were excited with his ministry. Until, listen to this, until John the Baptist tells them to repent and believe in the Messiah. Then they rejected him. Then they rejected him. You were excited for a while. Beloved, even today, people hear the preaching of the gospel. People come to church and they hear the preaching of the word of God, like what you're doing now. They become excited for a while. But then once God confronts them with their sin, once they are called to repentance, once they are called to abandon sin, then the problem comes. They are no more excited. They don't want to deal with their sin. They don't want to hate sin. 
They don't want to receive eternal life by, through repentance and faith. Their excitement becomes temporal. It's happening today. It's happening today. How many times I have heard people telling me after worship service, your preaching, your sermon made me really, really to become excited. The question is, where does your excitement end? Does it end in repentance and faith? Or you say, oh, I was just excited, but this is another day. I don't care. That's what Jesus is saying. You were excited by the ministry of John the Baptist, testifying, witnessing about me. He was not the light, but he was witnessing of the light. He was telling you about me. And then the works of Christ. Listen to Jesus. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. Okay, if you neglect, if you, if you reject the testimony of the Father, if you reject the testimony of John the Baptist, what about my works? Greater than the testimonies of John for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish the very works that I'm doing. Bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. The works of Jesus, you see? This is very broad, very general. But let me ask you this, beloved. What are the works of Christ that testifies to us that Jesus is equal with the Father? His teaching, his preaching, his healing ministry, his miracles, him turning the water into wine. Him feeding 5,000 people with little. Him hushing the storms and the winds with one word. His compassion, his love, his kindness, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. Him coming back in glory. These are all his works, the works of the Son of God. And all of them are signs. Signs, remember. Signs for what? Signs to point us to who Jesus is, to the fact that Jesus is God. All his works. Remember the purpose of the Gospel of John. The purpose why the Gospel of John was written was John 20, 30 and 31. Jesus has done other miracles, other many miracles that are not included in this book, John said. But all these miracles, signs, are written for you to believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and believing in him have eternal life. See? All his works points you to Jesus Christ as the Son of God. His work in your life, beloved. His work in your life. You remember how Jesus saved you. Remember how Jesus converted you. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, 
being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead uh, in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This work, this very work tells you that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. The fact that you have new life. The fact that you are a born-again Christian being made alive by God the Father with Christ Jesus through Christ. The very work of the Son of God in your life shows you that God, Christ, is equal with the Father. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, this work, the work of Christ, which created you as a new person. Are you a new person? Are you in Christ? Are you saved? Are you reconciled with God, who is holy through Christ? That very work in your own life shows you that Christ is the Son of God, the Son of Man, fully God, fully man, in one person, God in the flesh. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And lastly, the scriptures. Jesus was saying, you don't want to, to believe after hearing the testimony of the Father? You still don't want to believe after hearing the testimony of John the Baptist? You still don't want to believe after hearing the testimony of my own works? What about the scriptures? Listen to Jesus. You, you search the scriptures, verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. See what Jesus is doing? He brought them to the scriptures. The scriptures of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now Jesus is telling them, you search the scriptures. You know, there were many, many rabbis in Israel who spent almost their whole day reading the law, reading the book of Moses. Now Jesus is Telling them, you search the scriptures. But why do you search the scriptures? Why do you study my word, the law of God? You are not doing that because you want to find me in them and believe in me. But you are doing that in order to find ways by which you will justify yourself by own, your own righteousness. That's what you're doing. You miss the point. You fail in understanding the purpose of the scriptures. He even, he even tells them, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to accuse you. I'm not the one who's going to accuse you. Moses will accuse you. And who is Moses? Moses, in the minds of the Jewish people, the greatest teacher of God's law. The giver of the law of God. Read, read John chapter 1, verse 17. The law was given by Moses. Grace and truth 
came through Christ. The law was given by Moses. But Jesus is telling them, but Moses didn't give you the law to justify yourself, to save yourself by keeping the law. You cannot do that. You don't have the ability to do that. Salvation is through, by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not by keeping the law. But you put your hope on Moses, on keeping the law. Moses never taught you that. And finally, Jesus told them, but the scriptures bear witness about me. The scriptures bear witness about me. Scriptures of the Old Testament and the New Testament, they bear witness about me. Beloved, isn't, isn't, isn't it so sad that today you don't, even, you don't even need to go far. Here in Georgia, an evangelical preacher telling Christians that we Christians need to unhitch, disconnect the Old Testament from our faith. Popular, popular preacher, evangelical preacher in Georgia Andy Stanley tells Christians to unhitch, disconnect the Old Testament from our faith. Do you know what his reason is? Because there is no gospel in the Old Testament. There is no Christ in the Old Testament. What about Daniel 7, 13 and 14? What about Isaiah 9, 6 and 7? I can go on, go on and bring Christ from the Old Testament the whole day for you. It is a lie that we don't need the Old Testament. We need the Old Testament. We need the New Testament. Jesus said the whole scripture, all the scriptures, old and new Bear witness about me. So what is the problem? Moses will condemn you. What is the problem? The problem is this. But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. Why do people reject Christ? Why do people become unwilling to repent? Is it because of lack of evidence? Is it because of lack of witnesses? The Father, John the Baptist, the works of Christ, the scriptures, Jesus himself. What more evidence do you need? What more witnesses do you need? What is the problem? Because people don't love God. People hate God because God wants to deal with their sin. Jesus himself told us in the Gospel of John, people in the world, unbelievers, they hate God and they love darkness because the light of the Gospel exposes their sin. So Jesus told them, it's not 
because of lack of evidence. It's because you don't love God. Psalm 2.1, why do the nations rage and the people's plot, plot, plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together again against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away the cords from us. This much the world hates God. So, beloved, it's not because lack of evidence. In fact, Moses told the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 8, 15 to 19, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, and I will put my works in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will, list, whoever will not listen to him, my, my words that he shall speak, in my name, myself, I will require it of him. Who is this prophet? Jesus, the Son of God. God the Father will raise him up from among the people in Israel. Put his word in his mouth. Jesus will open his mouth and proclaim the kingdom of God, the kingdom of righteousness. Anyone who doesn't listen to Christ will be condemned. Because remember, the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then what? Listen to him. Listen to him. Believe in him. Believe in his message. Then you will be saved. He is my son. He is the son of God. And equal with the father. Amen. Let's pray. A gracious and heavenly father. Oh Lord, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Who is equal with the father. God in the flesh. Oh Lord, this morning we pray. We pray that there is no one among us in this place this morning who needs more evidence than what you have already provided. We pray that no one would be among us this morning who has no the love of God. Oh Lord, work in the hearts and in the minds of that person to believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, to hate their sin. Repent and have faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And help those who are already united with you by faith. Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Grow them in godliness and righteousness. Above all, O oh Lord, grant them your Holy Spirit to always worship Jesus as God, equal with the Father and with the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.